Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Great More Podcast with me, Ben Stewart. And this fortnight's is with Kibwe Tavares from Factory 15. They, um, no, do you know what I'm going to tell you? You should go on Vimeo and type in Factory 15, and you should go and watch uh, two amazing videos that Kibwe has directed. He, um, he's one of the co founders of Factory 15, uh, and I've always been really, really interested in the visual side of Factory 15. And we we work together on projects inside of Make. They do a lot of architectural visualizations for us. And um, they're stunning. Uh, and Kibway has, he's always, he's kind of been there. Uh, he does a lot of the directing for the kind of short films that they've done. And over the years, these films have become more and more ambitious. Uh, and... Yeah, go on Vimeo and uh, Kibwe's just finished uh, a an amazing uh, Guinness advert. Uh, it's an Africa special called Alive Inside. Um, go and watch it because it's just it's so good. It's uh, it's it's got so much energy uh, and the colours are amazing, the visuals are amazing, and just it's got these amazing dancers. And I think it's filmed. I think he said it's filmed in Ghana. Um, and they flew in amazing dancers from all over the world, and it's in like these really like rundown parts, and yeah, it's kind of, it's very much, uh, it seems to be in keeping with kind of Kibwe's directing style, which is, um, it's kind of got this like rebellious streak to it, which, uh, which is really really good. So um, you should watch the Guinness Africa special Alive Inside, and also uh, they he did a short film um, he talks about in the podcast uh, along with Film Four uh, called Jonah. It's all about this uh, giant fish that transforms this uh, this town, and again, visual style is amazing. And there's so it's so it's got so much imagination in it. I think that's what's amazing. And he um, he studied at the Bartlett. He did his part one. He did his part two uh, at the Bartlett, uh, an architecture degree uh, for those non-architects listening. Um, and then he did an amazing short called Robots of Brixton, uh, and it ended up winning him the RABA Silver Award, which is like a student's medal, um, and it's it's really really good, uh, which you should also watch on YouTube. Um, and then since then, it's just kind of got he's kind of gone on to bigger and bigger things. And they've just done a short uh, called Anna A N A, um, and it's about this like uh, it's about this kind of menacing robot uh, with a kind of a famous actor in that I'm sure you'd recognise, and uh, the robot kind of takes over. It's like an AI and takes over this like futuristic uh, car factory. Um, really, really high concept. But I mean, when you watch it, remember it's this is like I think all of Factory Fifteen. They're all under thirty. I think there's twelve of them at the moment, and they do. I think they, I mean I'm pretty sure they do all the in-house effects themselves. So Kibway directs, and they come up with all the concept art, and I think they yeah they do all of it in-house as as long with their architectural stuff. Um, they're just a very, very, very cool practice. So um, you should definitely check out those videos. And we talk about all, you know, how he got into doing it, and uh, it's 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 really, really interesting uh, podcast. So 
Hope you enjoy. Uh, listen in the end to find out who's on next Fortnite's podcast. Enjoy. Bye-bye. someone last night he's like uh he's a he's a computer game designer yeah no he's an artist i'm not allowed to say computer game designer he does the concept art yeah and uh he's like also my friend right we just in here and had like a few beers and then ended up interviewing for two and a half hours <laughs> that won't happen this time That's we ha- i actually have a time restraint this yes. time um but thank you i'm joined by kibway and i can't pronounce your second name tavares tavares there you yeah. go from factory 15 yes and uh I obviously wanted to get you guys in because originally when I started the podcast, it was all about uh, creative storytelling. I, I like Assemble Studios, one of the first yeah. ones I had, and they were like, they were. I loved the style of the stuff they did. And going when we worked together, or uh, we worked together, Matt, on our project, seeing all your kind of yeah. architectural visualizations, and then I found out that you did Robots of Brixton, yeah. which I loved, and and then found out more about Studio. So I really wanted to get you in to kind of. Firstly, uh, talk to you about kind of you know how you started because you started as an architecture yeah. degree, right? And then, and then kind of go on to kind of um, you know like uh, using Unreal and all the stuff you done at the, the studio. So, um, why don't we just start by why don't you explain what Factory Fifteen is to, to people who? Oh yeah, <laughs> give, give us the spiel. <laughs> it changes every time. Um, we're essentially kind of a design and animation studio. Um, we're based out of Brixton, but we're moving soon. We started about five years ago, so our, our main focus is kind of, um, I guess we've got this kind of quite cheesy line on our website, which is like a a design-led approach to filmmaking, and a, I can't even remember it, <laughs> but essentially kind of our films are kind of quite heavily designed, Yeah. Uh, but essentially we tell we tell stories, and we tell them through design, and we do stuff digitally. Yeah, I that's mean, that's, kind of main, that's what I loved. I mean, yeah. what I... I guess you've got quite a diverse range of people at the at the studio, yeah. right? Because you 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 do the film side of stuff, yeah. Right? And then you, but you also do architectural stills and yeah. visualizations. Is what else does what else do you guys do, or is that kind of the? So essentially, we we yeah we kind of we do films, we do some commercial stuff, and we we do uh, stuff for architects, but. Our focus, we we basically set it up so we can kind of work in all these different streams because mm-hmm. what we found out is that our work is kind of relevant for all these different industries. And the way we try and kind of keep it consolidated is that everything has to be in some way spatial, yeah. in some way about space or the, or the built environment. So that means you can do an advert or you can do a film or you can do kind of a straight piece of kind of um, like architectural representation yeah. as opposed to kind of saying we only make films because we didn't, when we started, we didn't exactly know where it was going to go, uh, how we we're going to get kind of paid to do it, um, how we we're going to get jobs. We kind of just launched in and said, "Look, we know we like making oops, <laughs> the mic. We know we like making these um, kind of weird, odd <laughs> architectural films, and let's just try keep making them." And surprisingly, we managed to get commissioned to do some more stuff. So <laughs> surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. despite still, our best efforts, we're still going. So that's good. Because you've got, you've, I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You have a kind of. I feel like a bit of a, a like a house style, but yeah. it's kind of, especially the earlier stuff is a yeah. bit like uh, dis. What was I trying to say? A word dysutopian is dystopia. that the word? Dystopia, yeah. yeah. Which is amazing because yeah. it, it gives you a very rich kind of visual style. Yeah. I, I remember coming to your office, and you had this like it looked like a, a like a rundown version of London. And, yeah, yeah, and and it was awesome. And I kind of think it's always had quite a film feel to yeah. it, a lot of your work. Is that is that always been something that you've tried tried to kind of do? Kind of 
conceptual? I think from our when we studied together, Nick Clear was our um, he was our lead tutor, Nick Clear and uh, Simon Kennedy, and Nick would always kind of you present your idea, you'd say this this is an architecture school, this is what I want to make, I kind of want, it. and then he would always kind of pick out the weird, run down kind of shit bit of your of your of your <laughs> presentation, and then you would, and then he would almost push you, not necessarily on purpose, just through what his taste is to that so I do think there was a kind of a, a, a dystopic thing that that um, that kind of came from us all working together and being in that space at the Bartlett and so this is the Bartlett are, we, yeah. are you all from the Bartlett then? Uh, the, the, uh, no um, me, Jono and Paula um, and there's a group of us that set it up and then actually Matt um, who's kind of our, was our first employee came from Oxford Brooks and then we do have some Bartlett people. We've got a mix of people now. Not everyone's an architecture student. We've got a mix of a whole bunch of people. That we're twelve people now. So, but initially, yeah, when we set out, we all we all done our part two at the Bartlett. So you're you're, you're twelve people now. Twelve, yeah, yeah, full time. When you were, because I, I a lot of this a lot of the podcast is about like startups as well. And I yeah. realise like and I, I say startup, but you know what I mean yeah. running your own practice. Like when you started, were you like? I don't want to employ other people. I just want to do my own work. Or were you always like, no, we, we need to grow in size. I want to do more complicated stuff. That means inherently means having more people. Or I don't think we really knew. We knew that we wanted to keep making projects. And as projects, you know, got bigger, we needed more people to do them. So it's kind of been fairly organic and been fairly steady. So I'd probably say we've probably grown an average of two people a year. To, yeah, so, so That's awesome. Yeah, so... Um, but you still freak out about the wage bill. You still freak yeah. out about your overheads. You still freak about about all that sort of stuff that you did at the very start. It's just the numbers get bigger. Because like the monthly wage bill must just be like, just, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just not going to think about it. But the money will come in. Oh god. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, that's what it's like. But you know, it's been okay so far, um, and we try and make the right decisions, and we try and kind of talk about things a lot, and work out what the right jobs to take are, like what the right jobs to go for are, how we kind of keep the identity of the work but keep the scale of the projects, yeah. but increase the scale of the projects, how you do smaller projects, which you could do when you're um, a smaller team easily. You know, when you start having more people, it's harder to kind of take those things on, how, but they're also the more interesting projects. Because you've, because um, when I went down there, your your office is in Brixton. Yeah. Because uh, it's like a, is it a university block or university building? There's loads. There's loads of open studios. Yeah, so it's so like an artist uh, artist studio. So um, we moved in there. Yeah, straight after finishing, or about six months after finishing, and because we were exhibiting in lots of places, and we had to argue a lot about kind of what the definition of art was because initially they didn't really consider our stuff. It was mainly for fine artists, but there's a lot of like amazing like painters and sculptors mm. and um, all of them in in that building. So. Because it's uh, it's it's got it's kind of got it's got a studenty vibe. Yeah, it does. Yeah, That's, we're moving, so we're we're going to phase <laughs> two of our plan. It's got a it's definitely got a studenty vibe. Um, so we've been we're moving to Elephant and Castle, um, in about a month. Nice. Um, should be less than a month, and we've got we're we're like doing a fit out on our new office, which is going to be like. That bit in between a slick office and a student <laughs> office. Yeah, well, I think that's the perfect. Because yeah. I think you have to ask a lot. I guess you, especially, you're like, you have to you ask yourself a lot of questions. What is Factory Fifteen, yeah. right? So we're not a student, but we're not. We, we don't want to be this like slick office. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. want to. It's it's a hard it's a hard balancing act, I guess. It is. Yeah, 
Well, I don't know. I think it's also what you can afford to actually do <laughs> so that, to the to the uh, to the office. Um, no, no, it, uh, it's, it was time for us to move as well because I think when we started again, I was saying it was like we know we like making this sort of thing, but we don't know where we fit. Yeah, we spent five years of kind of working that out, so we know where we can get different types of work, what work's going to come in, um, what work that we need to push for, um, how we need to present ourselves a bit more in terms of the work we're chasing, but in terms of being able to in, invite people to our space as well. So one of the things we've got is a gallery. Mm which we're going to kind of change, have exhibitions that are changing every like six weeks or so with different, you know, different artists and different curators. So it's not just going to be like Factory 15 overload. <laughs> but the idea is that we keep our foot in some of the art and the design world that we kind yeah. of started from because some of our projects, you know, the nature of a project, the bigger the project gets, the more kind of um, corporate sometimes it is. So trying to kind of keep within both spaces is, is I think our next challenge, but also finding a way of presenting ourselves really kind of boldly is important as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the, just the idea, like, because you, at your office when we went there, it's kind of, it, like, it had, like, ping pong table in. And yeah, had, like, we're still keeping the ping pong table. Good man, <laughs> good man. <laughs> That's not going. This, I think uh, we're just going to have running water, which we didn't have. <laughs> <laughs> running water, yeah. you know, like, air conditioning, I would imagine. Yeah, well, heating. Because <laughs> <laughs> in the summer, I'd imagine, because you had, what, like, 12 people like 20 computers in a server yeah. room and it's on like one of the top floors. Yeah. It must it get pretty, yeah, yeah. pretty sweaty in yeah. there, I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when you're prepping for a shoot, um, it becomes a production office. So you might be doing, whether it's commercial or a uh, film or something, you might have another 10 people in there. And it just by chance has happened both summers and or a few summers and there's been like all of our studio then all of the kind of production company in there like doing wardrobe and everything and oh suddenly, yeah, and then this gets a bit too much but it's good so because I remember because when I started at Make we started working on like office development stuff yeah. and we did like renders but yeah. they were more like you just you know exact representations of what they were yeah. right and then so that's what I thought render houses did yeah. like you know you did, they're quite corporate and then yeah. as we've kind of progressed and have gotten to what we're working together now which I'm not going to talk about yeah. but it, we were suddenly trying to, uh, it was much more storytelling. You know, yeah. we were trying to sell an idea as opposed yeah. to an exact representation. And then that I just thought, because I only engage with Matt and architectural yeah. visualizations, then come to your office and see what you're doing. Yeah. And I was like, you're, you're doing Guinness adverts. Yeah. And like, and you went filming in, where was it? It was like. Oh, this was, um, it was Ghana and South Africa and a bit in Kenya. And I was like, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know architectural <laughs> visualization people did yeah. this. Is there always been a kind of like just a separation between you're like you're doing full films, right? You're doing yeah. like, like like not just animations, but they're like full live action animations, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Um, I think that the way we started, me like me and Paul had worked freelance a lot, and John had worked freelance a lot for different. So I worked at Hamilton's, which then became BFLS, and I used a lot of kind of. 3D work to kind of visualise and help with the designs and all of that sort of thing. And then when I was studying, I worked freelance for a kind of a bunch of different architects. Um, Robin Partington, Allies and Morrison. And like I said, there was always that freelance kind of uh, visualiser thing. So we thought, we knew that we could make money as freelancers doing that. We knew how much images were getting charged out. And we thought, well, we can do that. And that was a way of kind of also financing yeah. some of the other projects and there's a way of kind of being like well you know this is something that's stable and we can do this and it allows us to 
you know, continue making these other things. So at the moment, they at, at the start, they kind of almost started like it was almost a bit Jekyll and Hyde. You'll be doing like very corporate things and then very very indie films. And so what we've been trying to do is over the time is tie everything together. So our images are the uh, the kind of more impressionistic ones that you mm. that you get for the different types of buildings that will and the films as well. The kind of again impressionistic or trying to kind of um, give give audiences emotional connection to to the building, so they're not just straight fly throughs. Um, but there's always been you know our uni works probably as close to film as it was to architecture. Yeah. So there's always been that desire from me and from the other guys to kind of work in that space. So we've just, I guess it's been fairly organic, but we've just kind of gone for it and we've just done it, worked out the best way we could by kind yeah, of finding, but, finding, the, finding the steady sort of stable income. I mean, I think it has worked really well because, mm. you know, working with Brookfield I mean you know yeah. that's kind of the, the like the shiny, massive developer the shiniest of the shiny yeah exactly so it's like you know you're obviously you're treading that line you know well <laughs> and then because I wanted to I also wanted to talk about because um, I remember seeing Robots of Brixton which is your yeah. it was kind of really well publicised mm. your Bartlett was your dissertate your final project yeah. and uh, I, I remember looking at it thinking I'm crapper renders and I can't do a single still image yeah. and I was like how the hell have you done a full you know, how long did it take you to do? Like, if people haven't watched it, go and watch it. <laughs> it's like, it was about, I don't know, six months, seven months. Um, and it was quite relentless and I lost my life for, to do it, <laughs> but it was worth it. Um, but I was competent. At, uh, actually, I was, I, I was good at the rendering. I wasn't as strong as, say, like Paul Nichols, who we worked with, and, like, I could get the results that I wanted out of it. But I knew roughly what... Like in the first six weeks, I set out the projects and said, "This is going to be my, like you know, your final blast at doing a creative project." And then I guess you just see what happens after. Yeah. So I was a bit possessed, and it was just, you know, you learn techniques. You kind of like, you learn how to make the image, like render for the scene as opposed to rendering a full building. Yeah. You know, you're like they're like stage sets. Yeah. Essentially, so some of it was kind of semi-designed, so you don't necessarily kind of, you know, when you're doing your your renders or your architecture, you're designing everything to the nth detail, whereas yeah. mine are kind of almost sometimes their facades. Um, so you kind of had to learn a lot of tricks, stuff like that. But because um, you you had, did did you have like did you how did you animate the robots? Did you literally animate them by hand, like uh, some was hand them? animated, and then some is like some like a mix of using some motion capture data, which you find online. So it's like there's a shot where the robots gets tackled to the ground, and then I just found loads of like rugby. <laughs> motion capture data so there's a dude tackling and a guy hitting so it was just more about like timing that and getting that right as opposed oh. to me like me like kind of hand animating each each footstep I did wonder because there's a lot of like there's a lot of actual proper action of robots clashing yeah. into each other and stuff but then did you actually take video footage yourself and then like what's it called rotoscoping is that no right that is very scary like, so some bits I did when it was kind of more simple things some things it's like you you find an approximation of what you need and maybe even adapt your scene to kind of get it to work. Because if you think of like um, Planet of the Apes or something, mm. they have whole mocap suits and they have yeah. like they, they get Andy Circus to go and kind of like do the whole ape acting, which is amazing. That yeah, and they do specifically for their, what they've written. Whereas there's kind of libraries online of stuff that you can get and apply to the characters that you made, and then just adapt it to kind of fit what you need or maybe adapt what you're doing. So. If you're doing, yeah, doing that project, I just had to learn how to kind of get through it. So 
yeah. could have tried to animate everything, but it probably wouldn't have been as strong and it would have taken time away from actually trying to finish it, I think. And at the end, were you kind of... Did you think I can do anything now? Like if I can do if I can do a film, then I can, I can. That's nothing is impossible. <laughs> it definitely gives you confidence. I think um, the good thing about I think the the Bartlett's got people have mixed experiences. Ours was very uh, well. Let me say mine because uh, I think Unit Fifteen was very positive for a lot of the people in our. And it gave you confidence that, like you know, you could try something, you could try and start a company because actually. The risk is that, you know, it doesn't work. And that's yeah. not the worst thing in the world you tried. Yeah. And it gives you, yeah, confidence to, to try something. So, um, you know, after I put it out, people were saying, oh, I got lots of attention for directing. And I was like, I don't know if that's directing. I was just kind of working on this project in my room. Um, <laughs> and then suddenly it was like, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And you're like, I think it holds on a minute. I'm not sure about all of this. But you're like, well... Not that much can go wrong, you know. <laughs> That's the basic way I see it. Not that you know, you you try something, you know, you you prep and you understand what you're aiming at, and then you just think, well, okay, if I do this and do this and do this, it should kind of work. Yeah, <laughs> and you try and make sense of it, and yeah. Because, like, when I did a uni project, you yeah. shirt your tutors, yeah. uh, about six people see it, maybe at the end of the year show, yeah. twenty people come past, yeah. and then no one ever sees it again. Is it what, what was it like actually? you know, it went out in the wider world and people were commenting on it and stuff yeah. and you're like, you're like, all right, it's a personal project and they're like, oh, it's a bit, you know, I guess yeah. it's not a controversial subject matter but it's one that people are aware of. And Yeah, well, I think with uh, Nick, again, his whole ethos was like, you know, the Bartlett is a place and it's got like, you know, it's a kind of educational institution and it's an amazing place to kind of learn and but there's life that goes on beyond that yeah and sometimes people get stuck in this world that that's the be all and end all and they finish and they're like oh what do i do now yeah. so he made a point of always making us all put our work online uh getting it out there before like so even before it was finished there was it had some sort of attention and some sort of press because it kind of been out there all the tests had been out there so you get used to just being putting your self out there and then not worrying about it too much um it's quite funny when it won the silver medal was funny like all the kind of comments and stuff on bd and people getting upset they're like oh this should, this, yes. should, this doesn't this isn't a deserved winner and all this stuff and you're like well you didn't even see the other entries so <laughs> yeah. how do you know that <laughs> like stop ruining my thunder <laughs> no, I didn't mind, but it was like it was quite funny to see like how people like i didn't you know i did it i knew about the silver medal and obviously knew like you know I'd look at the kind of the entries from previous years and stuff but I didn't know how like some like how um serious it was for lots of people mm. I thought it was a really cool thing and but you know I don't know I didn't know how like it offended quite a lot of people <laughs> yeah but my bad because <laughs> I, uh, I when I when I looked at it uh on it was on DZ and reading some of the comments yeah. they're like it's not architecture yeah. and you're like oh but they didn't. They didn't see the whole, you know, all the work that goes, yeah. you know, toward. You see, like the, the film's one thing, you know, it's kind of five minutes of of what happened, but you didn't see like everything that needed to be designed for that. And I think, you know, there's a Patrick Schumacher article when he was kind of wrote a whole essay on it, and I was like, if his stuff is architecture, mine's architecture. <laughs> Dan, Dan Street, that <laughs> guy <stuff>. is mental. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, all, all the stuff that he's doing in the studio, you know, 
um, which I really rate as well. So I thought it was, I was quite hurt when he was like, Ooh. you were like, oh, damn yeah. it. Because yeah. I we went to a talk at, um, with with him and he just, it was just when Zaha was getting quite a lot of bad mm. press and uh, he just spent the entire, he'd invited the journalists who had talked against him yeah. and a few of them were sat at the front and he literally just spent the first hour reading what they'd written about him and then literally saying to them, you're wrong. Oh, I okay. totally disagree. And everyone was like, oh, this is awkward. This is <laughs> awkward. So, so, so you kind of, you said you did, so you did Robots Bricks and then you started actually, you know, going into the normal world of doing commercial architecture, yeah. I guess. And you carried on doing that in the background. And then like, how long till you just like decided to sidestep and just go, do you know what, let's just do a couple, let's just do this full time. Was it like a couple of years or something before Factory 15 became no. a... Like three months. <laughs> so I went back to practice. Um, Paul went on holiday. And then Jono, um, I can't remember what happened. So basically, like, uh, we got a job straight away with Robin Partington and European Land. And it was a big animation and a bunch of stills. And we were like, well, we could do this. And it was also enough to kind of start the company. So, you know, I went back to practice for like two, three months and Robin was very support supportive and um he actually kind of put like the client had one condition um to give us this job was that we started working from Robin's office. So like Robin's got quite a slick office where everyone's got these kind of double Mac screens and, and then we had all our kind of like uni computers and there was this kind of like rabble of like six or seven <laughs> students like working in the back of their office like computers blowing up and <laughs> it's nice that they gave you that space though right yeah so they gave us a space um and then we done the first kind of half of the job and then once we delivered on that they were happy for us to kind of move and then we got our studio in Brixton <laughs> so it was only a few months until like less than a few months really yeah three or four months and then we were kind of it started basically it's just I like I mean I'm just thinking in if I put myself in your shoes were you like Maybe it's a bit too much to do our own stuff. Or no, no, we can definitely do this. Like, why would we work for anyone? Was it was it really clear in your head, or were you a little bit like, oh, well, let's let's give it six months? Or were you like, no, I'm I'm all in. Let's just I'm going I'm going big. <laughs> what well, that is more, I don't know. You when you design a building, you kind of you sketch out the kind of bigger principles. Yeah. And then you kind of work out what what bits you can kind of make and design it in detail. You know, as and when. So you break it down. You don't like. Yeah. You know, we looked at the renders and thought the previous summer, three of us had done about 40 renders for Allies and we are just like, we have to do 30 now. And we've done it last year, so we're better than we were last year, so we can do those renders. And then you have to kind of write a quote and you're like, well, how much does that cost? And you kind of be like, well, it's going to take this long. <laughs> so you just like, it's just normal things. And you're like, well, then you put in a spreadsheet. <laughs> Make it and sound then, so simple. No, no, but, it, but you, I think you do think of it in those terms. You don't, um, you, you know, you don't necessarily think about exactly what all of it means mm. until sometimes you look back on stuff and you're like, oh, that was that. You kind of, you know. I guess the difference is as well that, um, especially at the Bartlett, yeah. I would say that the Bartlett kind of and the AA, they're kind of the very top of the people doing rendering and stuff. And yeah. It was still relatively, I'm not saying it was new at that time, but it was still in its infancy. And I don't think, I think, I think you established that. I mean, five years ago, a render was quite a lot of money and it wasn't particularly good. Like yeah. compared to what the guy, what you can achieve now, I think. 
Yeah, but there was still there's a lot of companies. I was like, you know, who were who were kind of very established. I think that there was more people starting to render in architecture schools, mm. and actually, like even a few of our visualizers who learned, they didn't go through architecture. They kind of went through like computer graphics and design yeah. school. Then it was like learning the software as opposed to learning the building side of it. I wonder now, like, do you look back and think maybe I should have done an animation course? Uh, <laughs> or, you, like, the architecture gave you the grounding to kind of build up, or, like, in hindsight, or is it just... I think, no, because I, I think that if I'd done an animation course, I think that I would have more likely been an animator as opposed to trying to direct mm. different projects. Um, because I think that... May, I don't know too much about the structure of the courses, but I think they tend to pipeline. So, like, you might be an animator or you might be kind of a compositor or you might be a visual effects artist and concentrate on, like, uh, simulations and stuff like that. But you might, you're more likely to be specialised. And architecture is quite broad, so you spend a lot of time talking about your ideas. Yeah. You know, you spend a lot of time talking about, like, society and culture and what architecture is and all of this, these sorts of things. And then you have these huge projects that you have to work on. And so you have to oversee a lot more than I think if you're doing an animation course. So then suddenly it leads you into, which is more closely linked to, I think, directing yeah, than definitely. it is to, because I don't, the only things I animate now are really um, like the pre-visualizations because that's one of the things I can get time to do. So this is when I say, okay, try and set out what we're trying to make, but I can't, you know, it's hard to sit there time-wise and kind of animate something to the level it needs to be because the quality needs to be higher than what I could have done. Yeah. Anyway, and I'm, a, I'm a, like a 80% guy. I do that first 80% really quick and then I need someone else to help <laughs> help actually make it really good. I'm and glad you that said last, that. That last 20% as time-consuming as the other bit and I just get really bored. I'm just like, oh, come on, <laughs> I just want this to be done. It's going to look good. It's just, yeah, so. I'm glad you said that. I, I said to someone, I said, like, the first 80% I'm fine with. Yeah. And then I'm so glad you said you just lose patience or focus because I can't, I'm not a details person. I can't, I can't. Well, some people are, so that's the thing. So if you, it's just working together. And so after like, because I was looking at some of the short films you've done. Yeah. And are they, like the Jonah one. Yeah. Which is the, when you describe what the Jonah one is before I start talking about it. Um, it's a film about really big fish set in Zanzibar. Okay. <laughs> Is that was that a commission? Was that for someone, or was that literally you just did it yourself? Like- so it was a commission. So um, it's quite an interesting story to this. So when we finished, when we put our, out a trailer for our big kind of opening Factory Fifteen party, um, uh, the trailer somehow kind of went to um, got to BBC somehow. I can't actually I know how. One of my friends who is the author wrote kind of sent an email out saying my new book's out, but he didn't BCC everyone. So I was like, oh, look at all those contacts, Times, Guardian. <laughs> and we were like, okay, let's just <laughs> take those and then resend the trailer with all those. And, you know, one of them happened to be like uh, someone at the BBC and they thought, oh, okay, they were like, this is really cool. Uh, let's do a piece on it. So then they done the piece on that and they came to Brixton Market and we spoke and we said what the project's about and there's kind of a weird, awkward interview online <laughs> um, but then someone from film four saw it on the news because on like local news or london news and then i kind of got an email in the call the next day saying oh that we've we really we can't come to the screening but we really like to see the film 
can you send it to us? So I sent them the film and then they asked to come in for a general meeting. So in film, they have, lots of people have these general meetings where you go <laughs> and you talk about yourself and you talk about what you want to do. And just before that, one of my best mates had, he had been reading Old Man and the Sea and he was like, you should do a version of this. Um, so I went to the meeting and I was like, they were kind of like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I haven't really directed. Lots of people are telling me that I should try and direct and I, I want to do this version of Old Man in the Sea. Literally before the meeting, he said that. <laughs> and they were like, oh, sounds really good. And I was like, okay. And so I kind of put a treatment together and then went back and kind of had a clear idea of what it was. And then then uh, they kind of set me up with a producer called Ivana McKinnon and a writer called Jack Fawn, who's just, um, he's just, someone, someone's in the press about him yesterday. Um and he write he wrote like this is England with Chain Meadows and it was quite there was like this kind of quite big scary team and then it was like okay cool let's go and work on this project so it took a while to kind of work it out and it took a while for me to become comfortable with working like that. I'm probably, what, so, so film four were like like investing in new talent. Yeah, so they invest, they they invested in talent to kind of people they think can kind of make feature films but need help with other things. So like it was all well and good me directing something for an architecture course in my bedroom, but I needed to show if. <laughs> Someone's going to trust you with money to make a feature film. You need to show that you can work with actors. You need to show that you can work with a crew. You need to show you, you can kind of put a story together and it, it kind of semi-makes sense. So I guess most people uh, would then choose maybe a location that was easy to get to or choose. But you, you mm. chose Zanzibar. Yeah. And there's filming in boats and yeah. it's just sounds about as challenging as you can make a first film, for like yeah. a short film. I didn't so, think about it too much. <laughs> That's what I said. You kind of be like, because um, I was like, well, I made that with nothing, so I'm, someone's going to give me some money, so I can make like the whole world. <laughs> um, but also, it's like it was trying to be like, what do you want to see and what do you want to make, and you know, kind of like trying to be bold with your choices, because I was thinking, well, you know, you don't get lots of opportunities like this, so try and make it like stick or make it count. Yeah. And it wasn't just to be difficult or to be kind of ambitious. It was like, I actually thought when uh, my friend said, okay, you can make that, I was like, well, actually where I'd like to see that is here. And that, and then you, I got kind of a vision for the film. So it was like, well, why not? Because there were lots of times that kind of I could have veered off to kind of make it easier. And maybe I should have at some points, but I don't, at the time, you, I guess, you know, you're naive. You kind of try things that... <laughs> Were they like a bit like, Kibbo, do you want to try maybe the Thames, like film at the Thames maybe? And they're like, not nah, really, because that's what they wanted to see, you know. <laughs> they wanted, they, that's what they, they kind of, you know, I guess they bought into it <laughs> and it, it finished. So, and then what what do you what do you do with the film then? Do they then present it on film for, is there like a, an industry gathering that they present it out? Or? So we done a massive party in um, Village Underground where we had uh, a big kind of, screen and projector and bands and stuff and a free bar for a bit <laughs> <laughs> 20 seconds <laughs> yeah um and the idea was just to get it out there and kind of for uh, people to see it so you go to it went to like sundance and a lot of festivals sundance i think south by southwest um it went to like i think it's been to about 100 festivals it's been to lots of festivals and then but and the idea was to release it online and kind of get people to see it and i guess try and get more work and try and kind of um, move into doing long, more long form stuff. That sounds like an incredible opportunity film for it. Is kind of because it, yeah. it it's got a, such a professional feel to it that it's yeah. like 
So was that your that's your first sh- like your first kind of film that you yeah. made? Not bad. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was like a lot. It was, took a long time. It was like about a year and a bit, and it was a lot. You know, you're trying everything for the first time, and you're working out how that works, and everything's. You know, yeah, you're like, is that really gonna work? Or you know, you're sitting there in script meetings, and you don't really understand how to dissect a script because you never really read one. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, and also, uh, I was like, like the idea of our meetings here are about like doors and windows and waterproofing details, yeah. but your meetings would be like, right, I want the fish, and I want it like the scales to slap is just. Like yeah. I want that like, no, it's means, like, noise. No. <laughs> the stranger ones are the the ones we have to talk about the emotions, and like it's fine when it's a person, but when you like you have to talk about the emotions of like. Uh, there's a lady called Tessa Ross who used to be the head of film for at the time, um, and uh, we still work together now. But there's I remember a meeting with her and a couple of other executives, and we we're talking about the emotions of the fish. <laughs> And you're thinking, this is the biggest day, because she just, I think she had just, was 2011, I think they'd done Slumdog Millionaire a couple of years ago, <laughs> and then we're talking about the emotions of what the fish is feeling and why he's doing, what the motivations are, <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, cool. I love you get a heating on, no, no, he's definitely sad, he's sad, yeah. no, he's happy, think about it, he's leaping yeah. out the water, he's happy. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, one, off the back of that, did you get instantly, or you're like, right, I've made it now, and with Film 4, this is going to be amazing, <laughs> and then, like, did you get other work from it, or were you like, yeah. oh? Uh, I don't know if the words made it. <laughs> I don't know. If, like, yeah, you should ask Ken if he's made it and see what he says. Did you ask him that? Mm. Well, <laughs> no, not, not as such. <laughs> be, I bet it's like um, so. You everything you just hope that you get something else from. Yeah. Um, so straight away, uh, that done quite well. Everyone was really excited, but they don't really know where to place you because it's quite random. The film. So it's like you know what's. It, is he, it's not like I'm going to get an episode of Casualty yeah. from it or... Who, the fish guy? Yeah, yeah they're like... And then you kind of like... You get a few Hollywood scripts. There's one script that I got which was like about a guy that is hunting a really big fish in a like robot suit. So it's like someone had literally seen the robot film and thought, okay, like you know, this makes sense. I love it. So you've been typecast as robot fish guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that didn't go anywhere, but it wasn't very good. Um, so you actually getting scripts and stuff. So you get yeah, you get sent scripts, but you know sometimes they might be for development or to work on. So you know it doesn't really mean they're like ready to go. It just means that someone wrote this once and they're trying to kind of like kickstart it. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my, you, yeah. you want to work on your own scripts more than other people's scripts, or if there was, but there's not loads and loads of good scripts about. So you know the best scripts will just go to the kind of top top directors really. So. Yeah you have to kind of find a book or something that's really interesting or kind of start a scratch. So from that point, you know, I was like, let me finish Jonah and then I'll think about what projects to kind of do. And then there was a period where I was working a lot with Film 4 to develop some new ideas, which we kind of started doing, and then they're kind of still in the kind of writing process now, um, what came from it. There was a Katy Perry music video that kind of started oh. and we got on set and we are about to film and then... Uh, she, uh, the track she didn't she didn't release the track so there's no point in making the video. Oh, so then there was a couple of there was about a year and a bit of like full starts. Just um, going back to the Katy Perry video. Yeah. Uh, sure. yeah, yeah. So when you're writing the script for a music video, yes, were you thinking, okay, right, well, 
<laughs> what, hmm, what can I do with Katy Perry that would be interesting? I think she needs to be in a swimming pool. And they'd be like, mm, Oi. <laughs> I just yeah, <laughs> direct them. Like that. Yeah, I need more get more of her in the frame. <laughs> no, you will, they have an idea of what they want, roughly, and then they want you to pitch on it. So you have to pitch against a bunch of other directors. And it was quite this process is quite long this pitching process because I think I had done the short and done two shorts and there was quite a lot of experienced people I was up against um, but they liked the treatment so but they're obviously nervous because he's like well can he actually do it can he do what he's saying he's going to do and and but we didn't ever get to find out really because we got on set we were there in LA ah. we'd done some kind of dance rehearsals we'd done all this stuff but then there was, she wasn't releasing the track so then Everything kind of just collapsed. It was a bit disappointing. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And so then what was the next thing after that then? So the next thing after that was... What happened after that? Um, then there was a bit of a gap. Again, like a lot of full starts, a lot of pitching on stuff. In the middle of 2014, I, I, I shot another short, which I said I wasn't going to do, but then, you know, you, you never know when opportunities are going to come up. Um with Jack O'Connell and Holiday Granger, which we're finishing this year, because it's kind of, shorts have no um, financial, other than kind of investment in talent, there's no reason why they exist. Right? Yeah. No one pays to see them, like maybe a few people at festivals, but yeah. they're important for people to try. So... Um, How did you get Jack O'Connell in a short then? Is he is he like a friend or something? Um, he, he, well, Daniel, who um, I... Daniel Kaluuya done Jonah with was with him on Skins and I just said look and we were talking and he said oh Jack would be good for that and then we approached Jack formally and then but Daniel also just gave me just texted him and said look it's worth doing because like you know it's not going to be your average short it's going to be quite different same as so then he was like on board and also I think he wanted to go to a festival <laughs> that was it you filmed it at a festival yeah it's in a music festival nice so, um, and he's a scarecrow so for anyone who loves him, they're not going to see his face. He looks like a scarecrow. So you get someone who's like, was it? Was he been in like? Is he's not? He'd not been in his like starter. He had. He had. He just finished those. Did he go? Oh, wicked! Yeah, I want to go to festival. Right? Yeah, we're going to hide your face. Oh, what? No, but he knew he was a scarecrow, so it's fine. And the story's about. It's just that he's he's a really good actor, so it was like, well, I want a really good actor. So you know, loads of people were like, yeah, but you're covering his face. I was like, yeah, but. It's about a scarecrow, it's not about Jack. <laughs> Jack is the scarecrow. And then, so what, are you using, like, your then animating so the scarecrow's yeah. face based on his yeah. facial movements? Yeah. I hope you do it justice. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly, like, yeah. Everybody likes it. Um, so that shot, and then I done a commercial, then I done a first commercial for a bank, an ethical bank, um, which was quite a long process. Um, and it was about a tree, it was like a short film bank advert uh, and is this the one with the spinning camera that goes around and it's all these bits that like open and close and stuff or is no, that different no, okay. I don't know thinking, what that is thinking a different one <laughs> thinking of a different one um, it's kind of it's called the seed and the moon and it's about this kind of little seed trying to grow towards the moon but by doing so transforming this like dark evil city into a lovely place but um, and that was all kind of we technically that was quite a challenge because we wanted to do it in time lapse but we had to Everything's animated, so we had to like scan lots of locations, and it was like it was a kind of really kind of a techie. You had to kind of guess a lot, and I found some sometimes I found that a bit frustrating. 
Because um, that, that's like, I remember watching, uh, seeing Transformers. And yeah. you, you you have an idea of how a Transformer transformed, but actually when you watch it, you're like, how does that yeah, become yeah. a trans- Like, And actually an animator's got to go through every single frame. Yeah. I was like... And they've got to trick you as well. Yeah, and I'm like, it's actually that's ridiculously hard to do, right? It's yeah. like, to, to guess the bits in between, you know, yeah. like something exploding, you're like... I, I, yeah. I like everyone knows what an explosion yeah. feels like, but no one has any idea what it like in time lapse. Like, yeah. So that was yeah, it's quite technical that job. Um, and then straight after that, I done the Guinness ad last year, end of last year, which came out beginning of this year or came out last week. Where was that filmed again? That was the Guinness ad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ghana and South Africa. Because you've got loads of like kid dancing in it and stuff. It's wicked. There's people yeah. dancing in it, yeah. and this was like, like what. Because you're filming it on what looks like very uh, like on location. Yeah. Is it like how did you know to go there? Like why there? <laughs> well, it's for Guinness Africa, so Guinness uh, Africa. Yeah, so Guinness about fifty percent of revenue is kind of uh, uh, turnover comes from Africa. Re- Guinness. Yes. In a hot country. Yeah, and it's really kind of like lukewarm and like heavy. So they've got a new drink, which is a bit less heavy, and it's kind of aimed at a younger audience and a more mixed audi- uh, audience. Um, what do you call? <laughs> yeah, consumers. <laughs> consumers, yeah. Um, I can't think of anything worse than a warm Guinness. <laughs> look like Nigeria, Nigeria, they love it. So it's like, you know, way more than England, people drink Guinness. Like if you think they've got two hundred, like 180 million people there as well. Yeah, a warm Guinness, wow. Which is about 7.5%. <laughs> All right, proper stuff then. Yeah. So, and then you're filming. How long did that take? Because it's a wicked advert. Like to that, have all those like people dancing. Yeah, that the shoot was about. It was a five day shoot. We actually on set, but I was there for like maybe two and a half weeks. Um. And yeah, two different countries, but there's a lot of prep before. Like loads of the cast flew in from all over the continent. Um. Lots of kind of planning, prep, like location work. So like it's not you don't, you know, behind the camera. But so behind that person dancing, there's probably about forty people staring at them. So it's like you can't just like show up. Yeah. You know, uh, so you have to do loads of work, kind of getting your location signed off, finding locations that you can shoot in different directions that make it feel like lots of different places. Oh yeah, because you don't want to move so many people all the time. Um, you don't even think about the logistics of filming until someone yeah, says it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can imagine. Some people do. That's their job and they're really good at it. <laughs> that, all, that must help massively, yeah. doesn't it? Right. Because like, yeah. I guess with... Um, I always think when you're doing Robots of Brixton on your own, yeah. you can... It's just a, it's a decision of how much you think personally you can get done yeah. in the before the deadline. And it's like you'll be like, I either have to make that shot better or I have to leave that one end complete. So that's why there's so many mistakes in it. But it's like I could either fix that mistake or I wouldn't, wouldn't have finished it. So... yeah. But also, like, you have to, on your own, you have to keep your own momentum up, right? You have yeah. to keep your own enthusiasm. Or if you make a mistake and you think, oh, I've got to go back a few steps to go forward, yeah. that's fine on your own. But then suddenly when you've got 40 people there, and yeah. they're like, right, go again, everyone's like, oh. Like, <laughs> keeping the momentum up must be quite hard. Like, it's, it, Yeah, it, but you have, you get a lot of help. So you have a first AD who's, like, the person, like, and depending on your personality, is also depending who who you get as your first. So, um so the first is the one that shouts at everyone and gets everyone ready because if imagine that many people and I've been on other bigger sets, not uh, and you know say you've got a hundred people that you need to kind of move or keep in time, you know there's a person that basically kind of shouts and screams and 
tells people off and uh you know and even if you want to tell him off you just say oh like, come on we need to hurry everyone up you have a little whisper in his ear and then he goes and screams at everyone and he looks like the bad guy but <laughs> it was really you that was like mad and you're like oh that guy eh yeah so that's their job and yeah because also like you're making me realize that maybe like 10 minutes of film footage the, you're just looking at the tip of the iceberg, the amount of work that goes into just getting yeah. that like, little bit of footage, you know, every day. I remember hearing like some film did like a minute a day and I was like, what? And then, but it's a massive film and you just realise yeah. how complicated it is to get everything perfectly. Yeah. And especially dancing, were you like, guys, that was a bit crap. Or Not really. Were they hey, that was it? easier. We were actually, once we had started shooting, we were quite we were faster because... It was like the pre-production was quite stressful, and then went because everyone we either flew people or we cast local flew people from whichever African country it was they're from, or cast in South Africa. But we also everyone had done rehearsals and they knew what they were doing, and also we picked them, like because of they'd done a spe- specific type of dance or because we had seen their YouTube channel or something like that. So, mm. so like. It was really them just coming up and filming them and I just had to put the camera in the right location, which also someone else is doing for you. So <laughs> like you just have to like hopefully the the set should so actually when we were you know, we had we could have cut that ad in like, I don't know, four or five different ways. We had lots of good stuff. And did you have like really loud speakers to try and like get them like you know, get the energy up as yeah, high yeah, as possible? Yeah, we did. <laughs> nice. Because I always think like you know, you see films and you realise actually the scene they did was in total silence in a club, but they like yeah. pretended it. But we didn't know talking, so that's the thing, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's another thing you have to, because this is a nice, amazing room, but imagine if you're, you know, you need it clear for when you're having a conversation in a nightclub and then the actors have to like pretend that they're shouting. Yeah. But they're not really shouting because there's no music there, but they have to get, you have to get that voice across. And then you put the music in after, because so, otherwise the track would be the background track at a bit different points every time you're cutting. I, I remember seeing like, is it called additional dialogue recording? Where, ADR, yeah. ADR, where like uh, they have to, this really emotional scene. I then saw them like in a sound booth, like we are now, like uh, like just yeah, doing yeah, the doing. Yeah, it, and they have to try, try and get in the same like moment, and then they're watching the screen, and they have to try and match sync their li- lips. Like actors are amazing. Like what some like I know that not all actors, but you know. Some of the stuff they have to do when uh, you like most people just feel like they're being ridiculous. Yeah. But like you have to really kind of get themselves into a place, and also like loads of things like body control, facial control, and yeah. that's stuff that like, yeah. And also, you must be like, right? I liked the first way you did it, but can you do this on the next one? They have to remember like a minute of like yeah. fairly intricate movements, right? Sometimes, yeah. So you so you've done your short films and they're going brilliantly. You, is is the do you want to do a film? Yeah, so the plan is to do a proper film um, proper that goes film. in the cinemas or on telly or nice. something. Um, but it's just which one. So I've got different ones in development and potentially some TV things I might be doing later this year. Um, but it's just at the moment it's 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 quite weird because even though you've got loads of stuff, you're, you're still sitting there like in between jobs. You're like... <laughs> yeah. So, what can you tell us anything about? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. There's um, a film I've got. Two films I've got work with. Film for um, one, which is kind of set in a near future London, which is really about kind of housing and the, or the lack of housing, and it's about this kind of big squatter community that are forced to to squat in this like old derelict building, and then 
their kind of house comes under attack and they, they do like things to kind of try and save it. Um, and they're not always the most savory people. So it's a bit just kind of, there's, there's it's a bit like robots where there's kind of hints on, on looking at our society today, but trying to do that in like a way that is entertaining and is, in, and, and is engaging. Uh, and then I've got a film which is about 1950s London and about the first kind of generation of uh, like uh, Caribbean immigrants. Um, and it's kind of a magical realist thing and it's the main character's got, has these kind of uh, like uh, visions or something and we kind of explore that. So it's kind of, it's kind of sci-fi, but it's not, it's kind of, it's like a past sci-fi, if that's a thing. So you've, all, you've always kept an eye on, because that still sounds like in a similar vein to robots. Yeah. It's like, it's, it still feels part of that kind of world. Yeah. It's not like you've gone, right, I'm now going to do a rom-com. You know, like, yeah. are you very conscious of, like, still sticking to the original things that kind of got you interested and, in, you know, you're, that's still very clear in your mind? The thing about robots is quite, it's very, like, um, a pure, like, expression of what I wanted to look at and what I felt was interesting. And I think even with something like Jonah, there's bits I found that were very interesting that I wanted to talk about, but they they still weren't as connected to kind of... You know, it's almost like robots was like the first thing, and it's like for me, I would like to go back to that kind of territory. Yeah, you know, because other things, you know, if you get commissioned to do something, it's um, or hired to do something, it's kind of you working out how to kind of, you know, the Guinness advert is me working out how I would do that yeah. advert, whereas kind of trying to kind of over the years like get all the tools I need to kind of almost like advance kind of the things I want to say yeah because I still think Robots is my like most like provocative and potent film yeah definitely I think so there's something like so I feel like it'll be fitting for my first feature to kind of be of the same um in the same vein and the idea that it's still entertaining and cool to watch but it's there's there's the kind of meaningful message underneath and within it and are you are you does that mean writing your own scripts and stuff then Um, is that something you're doing kind of not really. Well, I work closely with writers, um, and uh, which is probably annoying for them sometimes because they probably just want me to go away. But. Yeah, go away. Let me write the script. Yeah, just let me finish it. But this no. Um, so like, I tend to work very much on like the concept and the world and and some of the bigger things that are happening, and then they might go away because you know I've never written dialogue. But the more I kind of work on story and stuff, the more I start to feel more confident and the more like in the future be cool to kind of start writing stuff because i guess that like um I, the way you're describing the script writing is actually a lot more complicated than i and then i realized because i was like why well, just write yourself i mean you've done short films you don't yeah. write, just write yourself but it's actually i guess the people have to talk to each other and say things to each other <laughs> and that's to be kind of like a drive and narrative drive and so any seven at the beginning at the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe and do you i guess as well like the, uh, you, uh, the the ten minute short that you did, you said took you a year, or like some of them have taken a year to do like ten twenty minute shorts and stuff. Mm. Doing like a full feature length film, but, that sounds like an intense. Or is it just it's just the same work? Just it's kind of it's more work, but it's kind of the same thing. You basically go for a development stage, which will take you roughly the same longer on a feature film, but it's still it's not like because it's only ten minutes it's going to take you <laughs> one tenth of the time. Yeah, it doesn't work like that because you still have to get your concept, your characters, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, and actually, like sometimes you're like, well, and the thing that you don't have with short films is because there's no commercial output for them. You don't have 
you might have some fun this is but you don't have kind of close to what it should actually cost you know you kind of have to so then it always has to fit around everything else for everyone else so it's like people all love to get involved and like work for nothing and all those sorts of things but they've also got to like eat so they they'll yeah. do it but it'll have to kind of be in fit within people's structure so lots of things take a bit longer on a short film than they would yeah. if you actually could just pay people to do their job do you, uh, you can't do you get points where you're a little bit like what am I going on about you know like do you, do you yeah, have, like you're like is, is this is this a good idea <laughs> like like do, yeah. do you just think I just got to remember what I thought at the beginning yeah no you do you get lost in it sometimes especially projects that have been going on a while you're like okay what is this about and then you you know because basically you same as designing you over like you start with probably a really clear idea then you like spend ages like making your idea a bit crap and yeah. overcomplicating it. <laughs> yeah. Then you're like, why do I keep those ideas? But then through going through that process of overcomplicating it, there's like little shades of something or little things that are really interesting that actually make your original idea richer, but you just have to go through this full cycle on it. So this, so you would say there's a painful stage of every single project. You, yeah. There's no point fighting it. It's, it's like just... the middle of everything. The middle of your holiday. You go away, everything's great. And then the middle, you have an argument with <laughs> your missus and then the end's great again. <laughs> So and then you just like charge on forward, assuming that it's gonna it, it'll be great, it'll be great, it'll be fine. <laughs> have you had projects that have just taken a total turn halfway through? Um, yeah. What and then what being not unrecoverable? No, no, no just just uh, from what you, your original idea, you're like, I'm gonna yeah, do they this, change. and then, and then it's, they it's, change all the time. But it was, but there's still something in the original, you know, thing that you set out to do that it might you might have set out to kind of tonally, you might hit the same tone, but the actual yeah. what happens in it might be completely different. So, so kind of, is this, when you're saying directing, are you, are you still talking like special effects and animation or that kind of the, the combination of the two, or is this just straight, you know, you want to do like, like just an actual film with no special effects and all, do you, are you always drawn to the, I like know, being not... able to like change environments and things like that. So, you know, most films have some sort of visual effects in them, even like the things that you don't even think have visual effects in yeah. them. It just depends to what to what level. And I guess some of my films are quite heavy, heavily visible, but it also depends on, that's expensive as well. So it depends on, you know, part of what's been hard is trying to find a film that isn't mega expensive that has that in, you yeah. know, because it's not like a straight live action film is cheaper. Um, so like when I say directing, it's directing the piece of work you're doing. Yeah. So like creatively just being the lead on it so which is you, what that means if you did your own feature film would this be doing all the special effects in house in fact it depends it depends on what the scale is like it depends on how many shots and what type of things like what we try and do is I try and involve the studio in as many projects as you can mm. as I can um, and sometimes you can't always it's, it's tricky because sometimes you know people have you might I might be hired as a director and then they've already got their team that they want to use and yeah. then it's like I'm stepping on toes to get it done but I don't mind that too much stepping on toes but um, yeah it just depends and also depends on what the best result because for example if we w were to do a feature film like we're 12 people but like you know the, the big studio have thousands of people so we like to we like to be involved in like the design stage, and then there's sometimes it's like okay, well, cool. We've actually got there's a hundred shots to do or two hundred shots to do. It might be better if someone with a better pipeline and yeah, who can kind of churn through that um, more efficiently. Yeah, I mean, I imagine 
I remember watching Avatar. I know that's one very yeah. extreme version of it, but just thinking, how, like, how? Like, I, I can't yeah. even do a render of a building, like a dumb box. Then they're doing trees and animals and everything. So, but yeah, I but guess it cost about three hundred million pounds. Or yeah. something. <laughs> so. I will admit their budget was a little bit bigger. <laughs> so I wanted to also ask because we're, we're coming to the hour mark, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll start wrapping this up. But um, I wanted to ask you about Unreal, like yes. the, the game engine, because. Yeah. Uh, kind of coming full circle that was one of the original reasons we came to your office to kind of yeah. s- to ask you about Unreal was because it, it does feel like there's kind of a convergence of computer game technology kind of film effects and we're using it to do architectural renderings yeah. now and I guess to a point you could model in it I, I think it's probably yeah. clunky to do that but using VR and Unreal yeah. it was just mind blowing when we did it here in yeah. a very basic form is that something you guys are trying to really push as well because you won a you won an award didn't you last week there yeah so last year um, we done there was a competition because Unreal have kind of got this software and this engine and uh, they need more content the same with anything for VR like people haven't it's almost like the techs ahead of like the content mm-hmm. so uh, they kind of ran this competition for people to design and kind of make a VR experience so we entered it was to design a vineyard. So we designed this kind of vineyard with these weird drones that pick these grapes from these kind of uh, like volcanic pockets. Yeah, it's it was, such a good idea. <laughs> it was basically, it was, there was a vineyard that was based on all the actual kind of um, uh, the landscape. And so we, yeah, we kind of set that up and it was, we just saw it as a chance to kind of actually get to get into it and, you know, try like doing a project in, in real time yeah, with VR uh, how you could actually package it and so we're still what we want to do now we want to try and like work with an architect to kind of for, on a real project you know mm. and see how that could actually fit into the life scale of like an actual design project and how yeah. that could be useful and it was just finding the right type of project and the right architect to kind of to to work that out because you know it's not just representation and if you want it for just representation I guess. Oh, you could, just mean like just doing of, like like real life, just a, like a like a real life render. You're saying it should be more than that. Yeah, it's it's just like you know how can you use that to define what you're building and what you're designing, and how is it something that you could kind of plug into a series of stages over mm. a few years? You know, could you use it at competition stage and then yeah. basically keep re-updating the model until the you're going to like until you're going to the marketing stage? I don't know. We haven't yeah. quite worked out how it fits in. We're, we're keen to do that because now we know how to use it. It's just, it's just where it gets used and how it gets consumed. And for your film stuff, how are you are you like? Is it is it Unreal and VR have any influence on the kind of Look, filming stuff? Not my stuff. In, not my stuff personally. As as me directing. Um, is it something I've, you want to do? Like me, um, I'm not sure in the film space. I think in games, it's amazing. I played on the Sony, the Morpheus, and I played and. I think there's going to be like a uh, like a hybrid game type film, like um, where you're a character within a film and it's quite cinematic and you're yeah. maybe working something out and you can maybe talk to people, you can maybe explore new yeah. spaces, but it'll still be it'll still be a, a a bridge between a game and a film, which is you know maybe. Um, but I don't think the kind of like going into a certain like VR hole in the middle of a normal film yeah. is the right approach. Yeah, I, know, it does. It does. And there's lots of people talking about, it and they keep they say things like immersive experience. They say, um, and people don't quite know what they mean yet when yeah. they say that. They're still everyone's still working it out. Um, 
But I guess my films, my films in particular, I think I'd like to focus on like culture and society. And if it makes it better by having that as VR, yeah, maybe. But if it's kind of gimmicky, I'd prefer just to kind of do a project where it's actually more meaningful to use it. And I guess the channels for you to get a film out through YouTube, Vimeo, or they're, they're they're limitless, right? They're worldwide, expansive reaches. Whereas VR is such a niche at the moment, isn't it? It's like... It is niche, but the thing is, again, it's like all the companies invested loads in the tech, you know, to make sure that people aren't sick or to yeah. to um, kind of make sure that the refresh rates are amazing. Yeah, all of that. They've all, but they haven't. Well, there's not loads and loads of content. So say even though the it is fairly niche. Actually, like lots of companies are throwing money at making stuff for it yeah. because they need, you know, they spent like billions on this headset and like, everyone's got, okay, now what do I do? Because it, I mean, do you, it is a, it does seem like a unique opportunity. It does seem like mm. the first person to work out an advert that is really viral with VR, well, it will get so copied so quickly because people are like, oh, finally, now we can, now we know what the hell to do with it because at the mm. moment, any idea it's kind of like a like a but i don't think you need to be the first person it's like you know before the ipod there were plenty of mp3 players true (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah it's just how you actually craft it to make it the best it can be which will take time yeah i guess so you guys but yeah you guys are experimenting experiment oculus rift and which one do you think is going to win out then i'm fascinated with vr so i don't know you need to talk a bit more to paul about vr he knows a lot more um i like the hololens because it's ar i think oculus is cool and I think there's the different things like the Google, there's like each basically phone's got its own system. I think Oculus is really cool. But um, again, for me, like I've seen a few things that I think are really are interesting, but I still haven't like, like, you know, for me, it's like between the headsets, it's like saying, okay, you know, what's more, what's better an Apple or a yeah. Samsung? And I kind of do basically the same thing. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah, I mean, I, loads of people will tell me no, they're not. They're completely different. But like, you know, Apple's got a button, Samsung doesn't have a button. <laughs> yeah, like, so they're totally essentially they yeah. do WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, WhatsApp, Spotify. That's all everyone yeah. uses. <laughs> so, so we'll wrap this up now. And thanks for thanks for doing this. But so, what's so what is what is next for Factory Fifteen? Then the big office move, I guess. So we've got the big end. office move. Um, again, there might be this telly thing which you might be involved in. Um, uh, we've got the gallery as part of the office move. And there's a couple of like, we don't know exactly what our next big project is going to be. Okay. But it's going to be good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to give it away, but it's going to be amazing. All right. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thanks. Well, there you go. That was episode 19 with Kibway from factory 15. Um, yeah. If you haven't watched the, uh, watched his short films yet, go on. They're really good. Um, yeah, I really, they, uh, after the podcast, they, Factory 15, along with one of the other co-founders, Paul, um, they came and did a presentation to the whole of Make, the whole office. Um, uh, it was really, really cool to see, because we have this massive, like, 70-inch high-definition telly at the front with a really good sound system, and, uh, it was really fun getting the office to, to kind of watch what I think are absolutely stunning videos uh, and played loud and proud, you know, as they should be displayed, not on a little computer screen with no music. Um, and the quality is just unbelievable. I mean, they're just, as I said, they're moving to new offices in Elephant and Castle in, a, in about a month, I think. And um, yeah, you you just get the feeling that uh, this is this is just the beginning for them. So hopefully in a, in a year's time, we can interview them again find out what they're up to uh so if some of these scripts that he's been working on 
work out uh yeah who knows what's next um so yeah i hope you enjoyed that uh tweet me or uh subscribe if you uh, if you want to keep hearing these and um on next fortnight's podcast i either have a podcast with will nash who is uh he's worked with the bbc and he's director and he's starting to, he's directed short films and he's directed music videos uh and he's just you know just starting out as well so uh yeah obviously love the idea of being director and uh love i really want to find out more how to do it have a good movie nerd chat as well um or, depending on who responds quickest to my email, it'll be uh, Johnny Collis, who is, uh, he runs the Comden, uh, Camden Comedy Room. And he's stand-up comedian, uh, improv comedian, I think, and also runs an amazing podcast called Version 3.0. Um, it's brilliant. It's, it's probably one of my favourite podcasts now. I think because he's, uh, it's all about turning 30 and, uh, you know, questioning the things in your life. And uh, he's done four really good podcasts or five now. Um, and it's him and his two friends. And I think they all, they all run the the a podcast network. And um, that's why I need to find out more because uh, yeah, they're, um, they've cryptically not let on who is in the podcast and who presents it. And I kind of worked it out myself. But that's, I mean, that's podcast gold to me. It's a comedian who does his own podcast as well. So, um, yeah, that'll be really fun. That We're actually going to record that at his studio in the Camden Comedy Room because they run, they have their own podcast network and they have a room specifically set up to record podcasts. So, um, uh, yeah, it'll be one of those two. And then after that, I also have uh, Indy, Indy Doha, who is the founder of Zero Zero Architects. Uh, and I realised that I've interviewed four people from Zero Zero, all separately without me realising. Um, that's uh, Jay Un, who uh, is now Studio Weave, is now kind of under the umbrella of Zero Zero. Uh, so I interviewed him in episode three. And then episode five or six was with... Um, uh, complete mind blank. Um, he did Wiki House. Uh, anyway... Um, he also works at Zero Zero and founded WikiHouse, and um, and then uh, Open Desk is also uh, under uh, Indies uh, Zero Zero. So I thought probably should go to the source, and he said, "Yeah, he said absolutely fine. Just sit down and do the interview." So uh, yeah, so yes, yeah, so you've got you've got three more, and then that's that's the end of series two. While I uh, work out where what to do next, so um, I've actually been given the email address for the producer or the program director of Radio 2. Um, so one, she'd be really interesting to interview anyway. But two, it would be amazing to, you know, take, create more upper level. Um, the idea of doing a radio show uh, fills me with joy. I think that would be so much fun. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think I've kind of, I've got, uh, we, you know, we're, we're rebranding, so we've got um, uh, we're having the logo redone by Sam, um, and hopefully she'll have the website all up and running by the end of the series. So uh, when we start series three, we can hit the ground running. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I I have big ambitions for us. So uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy them. Uh, and yes, I will uh, I will shut up now. Bye bye. <laughs>